0: This is Secrets of the Unknown on Beyond the Airwaves, the Infinity Project. Good
1: evening, everybody. It's Wednesday night. And tonight we, on Beyond the Airwaves, the Infinity Project, we are actually going to have Secrets of the Unknown instead of Food Fascinations, because I was able to get a very special guest in tonight. Uh, so... Uh, With that said, I am Red Ranger Tim, I am your host for tonight, and joining me on the line is our Oddball Extreme. How are you doing, my dear?
2: A little under the weather, but (laughs) I'm still here.
1: And I'd like to introduce tonight's very special guest to everybody. This is Sean Gilmore, co-founder of the Ohio Metaphysical and Paranormal Research Group, and a good friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Sean.
0: But Thank you so much for having me.
1: And tonight we are going to be discussing the old Licking County Jail in Newark, Ohio. And I think we got a pretty good uh pretty good show set up for tonight. But first, uh Sean, uh I'd just like to let our listeners know a little bit more about you that might not be familiar with
0: you. Um, well, um I am a paranormal investigator and empath. Um, people may have seen me. I, I was uh part I was a manager for the team manager for Ectovision Paranormal. Um and we made all different uh documentaries on haunted locations. Um and uh I And like you said, I'm now a co-founder of Ohio Metaphysics Paranormal Research, and uh, I'm I'm located out of northeast Ohio. Hmm. I've been investigating here now uh, for, wow, for quite some time now. I don't really count the years. It's hard to. They all blend together. Um I think <laughs> hey, very, when you're enjoying <laughs> doing
2: it, that's 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 the fun part.
0: <laughs> that, that's the truth. That's the truth. Um when you're managing a team and now founding a team, it it keeps you very busy. I actually have a podcast as well. It's called Into the Abyss. It's on live paranormal. Um so I definitely keep myself very busy. And uh, actually I have a, my team has a big event this weekend in downtown Akron, Ohio. It's in the old BF Goodrich building where BF Goodrich actually started off. Um, there's Ooh. tunnels underneath those buildings. It's an old um, rubber factory, and um, now it's used as um, it's now used as office buildings. different companies rent out different spaces there. And uh there are tunnels that were used back when it was the rubber factory that uh-huh. um were flooded, and so we are doing we're we're helping out a friend Laura Lynn she's a psychic medium from um, the Akron, Ohio area, and she's doing this to raise money for the homeless people around uh the Cleveland around the Akron area, so we're happy to help on it and we're really excited it's actually a filled out event cool well anyway. One thing,
2: I love Oh, hang on. hang on. Before you go on, the Easy Magician just joined in.
3: Sorry, I'm late. Hello. Can you hear me? Can yes. you hear yeah, me? you're
1: fine.
3: Okay. And it worked. I didn't have to reboot. Hello, guest. Sorry, I didn't catch your name.
1: It's, it's Sean Gilmore. Yep. Hello. Hello. Uh, Janet is our director of social media, Sean. She uh, sometimes comes in a couple minutes late if dinner's running long or whatever. And uh, Jan, uh, Sean's a paranormal investigator and co founder of Ohio Metaphysical and Paranormal Research. And he was just telling us about an event they're having in Akron, Ohio, to support
0: uh, what was it, the homeless? Yeah, that's, that's what I heard it's him say for the local homeless and um, also for the uh, Summit County Historical uh, Society.
1: Mm. That's one thing I love about the paranormal community. They're always there to reach out and help those in need. And I just love that. Well, that said, let's uh, dive into the history of the old Wicking County Jail. Now, I'm going to drop a link in the chat room for Ashley because Ashley uh, doesn't call in. I've uh, located a good size, history of the, the prison on their own website. So I'm just going to read that one kind of verbatim here. I'm drop the link so anybody that wants to follow along can do that. And Ashley says, hey, Janet.
3: Hey, Ash. How's it going?
1: Okay. Well, let me go back over. I got like multiple windows open. I've been preparing for this for the last hour The Licking County Historic Jail, built in 1889, is Licking County's fourth jail. When it was constructed, the jail was lauded as the best and sturdiest jail the state had ever seen. Its stone, Millersburg Brownstone, was quarried and transported from Millersburg, Ohio. Well-known Ohio architect Joseph Warren Yost designed the structure in the richardson Romanesque style. J.W. Yost is responsible for buildings such as Orton Hall on the Ohio State University campus, as well as numerous local government buildings. Yost includes several unique architectural details in the design, such as cat-like creatures sculpted into windowsills and open-mouthed frog water spout. The building has many other features that are typical of Richardson-Romanesque architecture, such as arches and turrets. Overall, it is one of Lincoln County's most architecturally significant buildings. When one walks into the front door of the Lincoln County Historic Jail, they are walking into what used to be the Sheriff's foyer. Although a practice unheard of today, the three floors in the front of the building were originally intended to be living space for the Sheriff's family and the matron. The first floor consisted of the foyer, living room, dining room, family kitchen, and an office. The second floor had bedrooms for the sheriff's family, and the third floor was the living area for the matron. By the 1970s, these spaces were no longer used as living quarters and were instead transformed into offices and work areas for the staff of the sheriff's office. This led to many of the building's original ornate details to be painted over or removed. Throughout its lifetime, the jail saw many tragic deaths, including suicides, murders, and accidental deaths. I should point out that we have 22 confirmed deaths, of which four were sheriffs. Ow. That's, that's, a, that's a, 22 confirmed deaths. Uh, four four of them were suffered, sheriffs? Whoa. Four of them were sheriffs, yep. Four sheriffs suffered heart attacks in the sheriff's living quarters. There were numerous suicides, such as those of Warner and the infamous Walter Robertson. And there is the well-known tragic tale of Carl Etherington, who was lynched during the days of the temperance movement. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, I believe that was right around 1910 when Etherington was lynched.
0: Um, <laughs> the I. I I believe that, yes, it was 1910. Yeah,
1: lynched in 1910. Yep, I see it. When first built, the jail was able to hold up to about 68 inmates. One floor held women and the other three held men. However, by the 1970s, women were moved outside of the county to accommodate for the increase in adult male inmates. This overcrowding, combined with updated state standards for housing inmates, was slowly making the historic jail an uninhabitable environment. By 1981, when the tenure of Sheriff Jerry B. Billy began, plans were in the making for a new jail that adhered to the necessary state standards. Finally, in 1987, the Lincoln County Historic Jail officially closed its doors. For years, the jail sat empty. It briefly housed the county's Veterans Service Commission, but for many years housed hundreds of boxes of county records from various offices. In 2012, a renewed interest in the jail sparked the motivation needed to begin cleaning the building. With the assistance of the Records and Archives Department and many volunteers, the building was cleaned out and opened for tours that year. Through the ongoing efforts of the Licking County Governmental Preservation Society archival team, a collection of historical documents, artifacts, and memories are actively being collected, cataloged, and preserved. Our hope is to have an environment where the communities at home and at large will be able to interact with these collections and gain a further understanding of life in the 19th century as it relates to the Licking County Historic Jail. And then from the, up there, it just directs readers to other areas for other information. on. The yeah, I
3: know that compared to then, um, today's jails are country clubs more than jails. It was not easy being in jail back then. If you – hold on.
0: Uh, I, you, you know what? I've actually I've only been in old jails. I'm not quite sure what a what a new jail is like, but I wouldn't want to really experience either one. <laughs> yeah, I, sure. I, didn't, I didn't say so about that can say something real quick. And
3: you
2: guys probably know in Alabama we probably have one of the worst prison systems in the country. <laughs> so actually,
1: I didn't know that. That's <laughs> actually news.
2: That. Yeah. Let's just say, let's just say, Alabama really has some serious problems with its prisons. <laughs> so, not not every prison's a country club, especially not here.
1: <laughs> okay, another thing I've got here. I'm just going to share this really quickly because I don't know how much of this is going to differ from what I read. Uh, and uh, this is a link, actually, Sean discovered and sent to me, but I, I kept it open because I figured we'd probably need it. We drop that in the chat room too. Oh, we have a we have a guest 1343 in the chat room. Welcome. And that's that's a uh, wiki page at the Lincoln County Library that offers a little bit more information. So some of this is going to sound like I just stuff I just said. Uh, the old jail on South Third Street is believed to be the fourth jail in Newark. It was built in 1889 after the previous one was condemned in 1887. Several inmates died while in jail, including Sam Bucklew in 1907, Lewis Trunnell in 1916, I apologize Albert, for that. Oh, welcome back, Dan. Albert Miller in 1932, Walter B. Robertson in 1935, Charles Hill in 1949, and James H. Shaner in 1955. I'm probably butchering some of these last names. But anyway, Robertson died by hanging, and the others were all from intoxication. Three Lincoln County sheriffs died of heart attacks while in in residence at the jail, Ross Embry in 1934, Albert Rowe Francis in 1949, and William McElroy in 1962. That probably needs updating we know at least four of them were, were sheriffs. But the most well known occurrence of the jail was the lynching of the 17 year old liquor agent Carl Effrington on July 8, 1910. The federal government and the state of Ohio issued a set of standards for jails in 1978, and this jail failed every one. Therefore, in May of 1978, Sheriff Max Marson recommended the county commissioners that the jail be closed. Instead, Judge Neal Laughlin issued a court order to Sheriff Marston and the commissioners requiring them to improve jail conditions and comply with the standards. Commissioners considered selling the jail because of the prohibitive costs of repair and maintenance. One temporary solution was to send inmates to facilities in other counties and pay for their room and board. The last use of the jail for incarceration was in 1987. After that, it was used as office space for the Veterans Administration, licking county litter prevention and county records storage. By By 2010, county commissioners were proposing to convert the jail into a tourist attraction. They invited several paranormal investigation groups to spend the night, and they all came out with evidence of haunting. The Lincoln County Government Preservation Society was formed in 2013 with its first goal to preserve the jail and restore the administrative and living quarters to their original condition by fundraising and building community involvement and interest.
3: Whew. it would be kind of interesting to tour it.
0: Uh, No, it is. And uh, when I was there with Mike Ricksecker, um, Terry Long, the, the woman who who runs the investigations there, I, she just, she's just an incredible person. And she gave us the most incredible tour. Actually, Mike Ricksecker, um, the video that he made on our investigation, he based it on her tours because of just how amazing those tours were. Um, so it's definitely worth it. Just to go for the flashlight tour, chances are, you will probably have some sort of experience while you're there. Uh, While we got the tour, I mean, our tour took forever. It was probably the longest tour I've had of a haunted location, and it definitely wasn't the largest location I've been to, but it definitely was probably the longest tour, and a lot of it was because we were all having different experiences during the tour. That place is one of the most active locations I've been to.
3: Uh, And were the inmates that were housed there, um, was it for different crimes, or were they like murderers or robber, ba- robbers, or just a mixture?
1: It
0: was really a mixture. Um, they had some people there, like the, the cells that were that are in the basement, they were used kind of like as a drunk tank holding cells, and then they also had murderers and rapists there, and um, they actually – um, had one woman. Um, her name is uh, was Laura Bell Devlin. She actually chopped up her husband and buried his body and chopped up pieces in, in her in her backyard. And she Ew. was there. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, there's one woman who was there um, because she tried committing suicide. She was on suicide watch. And her name is Mae Varner. And um, they actually found her in her cell. She committed suicide in the jail um, by setting herself on fire. How she was able to do that while she was being held in a cell, I don't know. But, you know, I I actually believe that I've experienced her two out of the three times I've been there. Whoa. Whoa. Um, Sounds like that yeah, place it, has a history. It, it has, it does. It has a crazy, a crazy history, and they have had. Um, they actually, um, Terry was uh, very nice enough to send me uh, a lot of information on the jail um, to help us out tonight. Um, I tell you what, Terry Long, she has enough reason to go to the Lincoln County Jail uh she she has these dolls that she creates uh actually she refurbishes them and she makes them the creepy dolls um it she has an etsy site called long gone dolls check it out when you get a chance she does incredible work anyways um yeah there as far as the people that have been there i mean there's just so i mean a lot of it, a lot of the people that were there were from prohibition era um illegally um bringing in alcohol um and there's uh quite a few people that are there for um and literally every, if you think of it if someone's been held there a county jail so there are some people that were held there for long periods of time um and then there are other people that were there for short periods of time some people I've, most people were actually in the jail um, you know, waiting their court date. You know, that's, it was a county jail. Um, that's what county jails usually are there for. You stay there and you wait until your hearing, and then you go to the uh, prison that you're sentenced to. But a lot of people were in and out of there. Um, the Carl Etherington, I know you touched a little bit on him. Um, he was just 17 years old. He actually lied about his age. So that he can could become uh, an officer, and um, he went into the town to try and shut down some of the bars and brothels that were in the town illegally, and um, he ended up accidentally shooting an owner of one of a saloon there, and that's why he ended up getting arrested. And um, the town was so upset by what he was doing, they they pretty much. And they're upset by him about him murdering their um, their friend. They literally broke in the jail. They broke in the jail cell, and it said that that they may have had some help on the inside because they were able to get into the jail and get him out of his cell and take him outside and hang him outside the building.
3: Now, that had to be an inside job.
0: It sure sounds like
3: it. About the only people that should have keys to get into the cells are the guards. Right. You know, the corrections officers.
1: I found the the video, uh, Sean, from when you and Mike were investigating there last year, and I've shared that in the chat room for anybody that hasn't seen it. Or would
0: like to see oh, it nice. again. Nice. I uh, actually Fred, from, a,
1: from that same be, video
0: for the video. Yeah, nice. From that same evening, I actually made a short clip. I don't know if you ever saw this one, Tim. Um but it has my co founder, Amber Wellman, in it, and I'm with John Ward. And we were investigating the cell area, and we got some insane activity while we were there. And I, 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 literally, I caught it all on a just a a little GoPro action camera. Um, and it it was just so compelling, and I had to share it. Um,
1: I'd love to see it. Sometime.
0: We, well, I'm, I'm happy to share it. Um, the um. Well, it started out with us being in um, Mae Warner's cell. That's the woman who committed suicide by burning herself. We smelt smoke. Now, the the thing is, is that that jail, the a lot of the walls are have bars that go to the outside, and so you get a lot of contamination from outside and the and the it's a pretty big town that's in there. So but if we if this smell was on every floor, then we would know it was coming from outside. That smell, we literally checked every floor and we looked outside to see if there's anyone writing off fireworks, if there's any sort of fires or anything. We couldn't find a way to, to explain this moment. And then after that, um Amber Wellman, she's a uh, she's a sensitive. She got rushed and she explained the way that Mae Warner looked and she like ran at her and she was like overwhelmed by her energy. And then I, I barely even had time to really address that. I'm talking to her, and then next thing I know, the REM pod that I left downstairs starts going on, and it was just like activity was just going on, going on all around us in this jail. It was incredible.
3: Whoa! Oh. That. Uh, those that
1: those that may not know what a REM pod is one of those devices with lights on and you you put it down and you try to encourage the spirits to walk up to it and interact with it and when they get close enough it lights up the lights on top
3: whoa okay thank you for that enlightenment
0: in here Tim I'm actually sending you that clip that I made (coughs) Okay. Um it's definitely not a, um Ectovision production, Ectovision Paranormal production, or even a Mike Shrek, Rick Rexucker production. It's uh Sean Gilmore production, and I am not a producer by any sort. I just have a fun little program that I use on my computer when I have something worth making a video of. Um, just so you can watch that later. I mean... And, and those went in the um, sheriff's bedroom, where they said three sheriffs died in that bedroom, and then another sheriff died on their on his way to. They they're not sure if he died on the way to the hospital or at the hospital. But what the all four of them have in common, it was all from heart disease. It was all from a heart attack or something along those niches. And um, when I was there with Ectovision, paranormal, we were in the um, the sheriff's bedroom with Jeff Fentz, and we were using his geobox. The geobox is like a it's a Spirit box, like a SB7, SB7. It's a radio. You know, flips through the different radio stations, and it's said that spirits might be able to communicate through those. And the, what's special about the Geo box is that it has a filter on it, so it sounds really cool, and it sounds really creepy, and it that really does sound like you're listening to the other side. It's really cool. But what's really neat about the experience that we had with that geo box is that we captured an e v p over the geo box on the Ethelvision uh, video uh, we were doing a session, and um we were actually asking i was asking how the sheriffs died and if since they all died of heart disease um if there were maybe poisons and um And it was just a very interesting experience. And as we were leaving there, again, Amber Wellman was there, and she was, again, overwhelmed by this feeling, and she fell to her knees. And actually, the Ectovision, um, a lot of our experiences from there, Um, Not only can you find it on the ExoVision Paranormal um, YouTube channel, but it's also on Haunted Case Files. Um, uh, The team founder, Eric McGill, and our evidence review, um, Tom Dvorsky, they were both interviewed for the show, and they shared clips of us um, from from our findings and experiences there. And one of the ones that they go over is uh, Amber's experience when she was um, overwhelmed by what we believe was one of the the sheriffs showing her what they felt. Um, and uh, so I definitely check those out because I, I, words can't explain experiences like that. I mean, I could tell you about different devices I've had experiences with, but when you're with somebody who's having a spiritual experience on an investigation, there, there's no way to explain it with words. It's something that needs to be witnessed. And and is it, it okay really I, is a powerful thing. Is
1: it okay if I would share that link you sent me out with everybody?
0: Sure, why not?
1: And then I also found the EVP's video from from there. I'll share that out also in case anybody would like to check them
0: out later. Awesome. Thank you. I actually, when I was there with ExoVision Paranormal, um, I was actually walking through the jail by myself. I had no light. All I had was what we use for a walking camera is before I had my POV camera and I'm walking through with nothing but that camera and a laser grid. Oh, you know, one of the little, um, laser grid pens. That was my flashlight (laughs) as I'm walking through. I started off in the living quarters and I walked up through into the jail cells and I have my favorite piece of equipment that I own was a Christmas present from, my wife and Eric McGill. It's the para-pooch. It's a dog. It's a stuffed animal. And it's a trigger object that has um the same functions as a REM pod. So, um with with the dog well, it was set up in the um matrix quarters where there is a a spirit there oh, what did they his name was John or David. I knew it was a regular name. Was and um, in this room where David, there's actually a photograph of a shadow person in front of the window there and they keep it posted there at the jail still to this day. Um, and my, the Parapooch was not far from where that photo was captured. And as I was walking past the the stuffed dog, the Parapooch, it starts to go off just as I put my hand on the doorknob. And it was like it was messing with me. I actually asked if it was messing with me um, as I was kind of doing that walkthrough. Um, that was, that is probably one of my favorite experiences actually with the Fair Boots was there. Um, yeah, my two favorite experiences were probably there in the Monroe house in Indiana, but, um, it was just like each time I put my hand in the doorknob, the dog would be, <laughs> and it was like, I, it, it was interacting intelligently, but only in a way kind of like jokingly with me and so then i continue on after that and i walk into the fourth floor um cell block, and i'm walking through there and <clears throat> i could just tell something is watching me i felt it it was right there right beside me my knees were getting weak they're getting wobbly i and then I started hearing things all around me and a lot of the noises, it was like shuffling. And then there was noises that I really couldn't explain to you still to this day that weren't captured on the recorder. And I actually ended up getting spooked when I was there. And I, I, I tried to walk through the entire jail. I was just so spooked. I had to get out of there because something was messing with me and it, but I I actually, I think I walked through part of it and I just walked through and poked my head in each doorway of each of the rest of the floors and said, hello. And then I walked out and everyone was kind of like having a good time because I got kind of spooked on an investigation. But um, tell you what, each time I go there, I have done two full investigations of that jail and I have helped with flashlight tours there and each time I have been there I have had a very powerful experience um, again when I was there with Michael Decker, um we had more a great interaction with the um,
1: with the parapets
0: um, and Actually, a friend of ours brought hers too, and it was—it was—you got to check that out because that interaction was was just phenomenal.
3: I don't blame you for getting spooked. I really (laughs) don't blame you. If I was in that same situation, I don't know how I would have reacted. I think I would have dropped a litter of kittens.
0: You know, I always tell people if a paranormal investigator says that they don't ever get scared, they're lying. They lie. I lie. And I don't know, I don't want this to sound like an excuse, but with being an empath, I feel everything that's around me. And that just heightens the experience for me. So even if Nothing is going on around us. I'm feeling what's going on. And I can and sometimes that, that affects me. And actually in one of our videos, um I was with Amber Wellman and um a friend of ours, Marcus Hogg. We were at the RCI Randolph County Infirmary. <clears throat> Just real quick. Um we are I Amber and I were both alright high alert. We could tell. I was just in a room where I was kind of like surrounded by cobwebs. I'm trying to tell this quickly because I want to stay on Licking County Jail, but I have to tell this story. Cause it's hilarious. So we're we're in high alert. Um, we're get to a door, and I'm and uh, we we Amber and I both feel like there's a presence out there, and and we're so we're both very hesitantly, very carefully, kind of you know going out of this door. And as we're looking, and literally just as I'm like. Stepping out of the door, Marcus Hogg lets out the loudest sneeze I've ever heard. Now, while, while this happened, I had an RT EVP recorder. That's a real-time EVP recorder. So I have a digital recorder going that's playing live with enhanced volume on um, soundproof headphones. So here I am, high alert in an extremely lo- haunted location, and the loudest sneezing in your life, man, I jumped, and I, I let out some curse words at him. <laughs> that's another condition. <laughs> that's, that's Sorry. That. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> oh, shit.
3: I think it would have scared the crap out of me, too. <laughs> well,
1: I,
0: I don't know. I, I had the RT on. I don't know if it would have scared me. I probably would have. No, well, I'm not gonna lie. I probably still would have been startled with that because that, that was a loud sneeze. But it was loud, and I was not expecting it. <laughs> so I was like,
1: "Oh my god!
3: <laughs> oh man!"
0: Uh, but yeah, the the, uh, the trials of uh, being an investigator. <laughs>
3: Yeah. All right. Hmm. I was going to ask you something. It went by me. When I think about it, I'll ask you later.
1: Right. Now, there's one, there's one thing I'd like to ask you about, Sean. And you know, from our discussions, how I feel about Ghost Adventures and what they put on TV and how I've gone from enjoying it and, you know, Something with watching, too. Yeah, that's just a lot of baloney. I'll watch her for the entertainment value and nothing else. And it's, this is not on the, the page I had pulled up for some reason. Well, it's mentioned briefly, but <clears throat> I'm thinking back to when I watched the episode on the, on the jail. When you were talking about that spirit named David that uh, was up in the matron's quarters, one thing they talked about on the episode uh, I don't know if she's still there. They had like a, a tour guide. I think her name was Misty. I think she was a tour guide. I think.
0: Right, are you the looking at the, the Ghost Adventures episode?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. That, and, uh, I think that was Marco. Marco? Is that the name? Marco Ryan?
1: I, I, I'm i looking at the page. It just says Misty. And I remember that the that the tour guide's name was Misty, and I don't, her last name I don't know. And I remember that, she, that in that same episode they had mentioned a spirit named David, and they claimed, but whether it's David or whether it's a different one, they claimed that a malevolent entity followed her home from the jail and was tormenting her family in their home. And I don't just wondered if that if that was if there was any truth to that. And if this and even if not, if this, if David has ever been known to act out like
0: that. Um, David has been known to uh you know, touch people and he's more of a like a prankster type. Um, as far as the validity on on uh on that story, honestly, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I know that, that Terry could definitely um, shed some light on that. Um, that that was definitely an interesting episode. Um,
1: yeah, well, I, as I wish I had a chance to watch it today,
0: but I didn't. As, as an investigator, you that's a real risk of what we do, having something follow us home. And and to be honest, I believe that anytime you're around a spirit and it fancies you for whatever reason it may be, it could choose to follow you whenever it wants. Um it's just a matter and then at that point it's a matter how are you gonna get rid of it. Um so it but Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if the of some of the uh, active spirits there in the jail were to follow somebody home, and if it's well, uh, someone that, if that was an inmate there, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they were to choose a cute young girl either. So, I, I'm gonna plead
1: the fifth, 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 fifth on fifth. that. i I'm I'm, that. I'm plead the fifth on that one. But I just looked up the Wikipedia description of the episode on a list of episodes, and it says, GAC traveled to Ohio for their lockdown at the old Wicking County Jail, where multiple murders of famous criminals, inmate suicides, and the deaths of four sheriffs were the norm. Also during their trip, they investigated a local paranormal investigator's nearby house who said she captured a photo of a dark shadow apparition named Davey, which I'm assuming is David who became attached to her back at the jail and then followed her home. And that kind of, meant, kind of li- is in line with what I remember from the episode. And I just didn't know if, if, if that was something that actually happened or whether they exaggerated it, whether it didn't happen, or whether he'd done that before. Because that would be a pretty scary thing, knowing that he's a prankster and, and whatnot, to have him <laughs> follow you home.
0: Well, definitely, and I mean, I've, I've had things follow me home from investigations, it, like I said, it's it's a very real possibility, um, if you, it's been a while since I've seen that episode, but they actually went to her house, and then, uh, Zach went and, uh, did his Zach thing in her house, it was like, demanding it to leave and, and everything, and, uh, So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he helped her. I don't know the full validity of that story. But it's entirely possible when, I mean, anytime you're around something like that, it, it can follow you home. And, and, and that type of surrounding, being in a jail, you know, any woman, you know, that's, I mean, who, I, it makes sense to me, but I'm not, I, I can't, Validate that story. Yeah, that
1: yeah, you'd be the only only person I know that I know personally who could potentially. I mean, I don't know Terry personally, so I can't ask for myself or or you know what have you. But I'm sure the only one I know who could possibly even have any idea whether that was true or not. I think would probably ask. Because so a lot of the rest of what they found, the this page is just generic stuff and really isn't worth mentioning a whole lot. Except for they got a spirit box voice that said, hey, Misty, in an EVP that said, kingdom come, whatever that might be. And then other than the deep man's voice that was disembodied and X camera battery doing dreams, generic stuff that they found, that David or Davey was, I think, the real highlight of that episode. I'm looking through some of the stuff That Terry sent us she did, it does, I forgot where But it does mention that Ghost Adventures Had been out there to investigate
0: Yes um, and, and you know On that episode I believe that They got a thermal hit In that episode It, it looked. I think it was like A hand on a cell door If, if that is a Legitimate That is incredible evidence that's the thing that's always stuck out in my mind with that uh, their ep- that episode on that jail. Uh, actually, <laughs> we set up an ExoVision. We set up our thermal camera on the same floor where they captured that. Uh, we didn't capture anything, but um, we, we were hoping to. <laughs> On a thermal, I think that a good thermal hit is very rare in a paranormal oh, yeah. investigation. Especially
1: with someone, I mean, when you have a group of people there with you, it's so easy to have contaminated evidence that way. Right. Like if you have a bunch of people sitting together and you see a, a bright blue in the middle, of red and orange and yellow, I'm like, okay, something's going on here.
0: Have you ever captured someone passing gas on a thermal camera? No
1: I haven't but I'm kind of interested in what would those you jokes say, that would you show they make up. up
0: Those jokes that they make are real. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I <don't> know. Um
1: know. <gasps> yeah. There was one of these other, on this other jail history thing that Terry said I wanted to comment on. But I guess, oh, here's the story of Joanne Thomas. The, the, this turned the love slang. And what, what they have written down here says unlucky in love, perhaps you're the lucky one. It was a Saturday afternoon in the fall of 1951 when Frank Rizzo would have been far more fortunate to be single. Rizzo's girlfriend of five years, Joanne Thomas, went to see the 30-year-old at work. Thomas walked into the produce market on South 5th Street in downtown Newark. Rizzo worked at the food stand, so so his loving girlfriend made a beeline to his station. Without a word, Thomas shot and killed Frank on the spot. Those happily in love should probably avoid the tormented spirit of Joanne Thomas. I'm surprised it doesn't elaborate more on exactly why
0: she would shoot him. <clears throat> so. You know what? That story... <sighs> <sighs>
3: <sighs> do I do the well, I yeah,
0: I hear that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, You'd think it'd be Rizzo's spirit would be the tormented one because he was just shot presumably point blank or within close range by his girlfriend. But according to this, it says the tormented spirit of Joanne
3: Thomas. Which is the girlfriend, right? Right. Yeah. So that could imply that instead of her shooting Hirsch, he shot her instead of the other way around. By I making sense? Here's, a,
1: here's another another one that that uh, you guys might find kind of interesting. It's the story of George Burton, entitled Milkshake Murder. It's not uncommon to be dissatisfied with a drive-through experience. However, it is rare for these experiences to end in cold-blooded murder. George Washington Burton a man with a noble name, but not such a noble story. On a visit to the 1020 Pizza and Sandwich Shop in the small village of Jersey, Ohio, he ran into 26-year-old Wanda Peterman, much to her dismay. Peterman took Burton's order for a milkshake. He paid and started to leave. Everything seemed to be mind-numbingly normal, but Burton realized that his milkshake had not been filled to the line. He was one very dissatisfied customer. Burton informed Peterman that she had cheated him on his milkshake and he'd be back with his gun. Unfortunately for Peterman, this wasn't an idle threat. When Burton returned, she was standing outside the pizza shop. He raised his shotgun and fired, killing Peterman with a single shot to the chest. If you run into George Burton, don't cheat him on his milkshake. He takes his dairy very seriously.
3: (laughs) Damn, over a
0: milkshake? Yeah, You know, people, when that guy obviously had other things going on in his life other than a milkshake, right? But that's what set him off. And that guy is obviously very, a very mentally ill gentleman. And uh, it just shows, I mean, how precious life is. Something crazy like that can happen still today. I know. I
3: My mom is a big fan of ID on Discovery ID. There's a lot of cases like that on those shows, which something Mm -hmm. like that happens over something idiotically simple. You know? So I know where you're coming from on
1: that. And you're right. Life is precious. Well, I don't know if you want to try to convince Walter Robertson of that. His story is called Proposal Day Murderer. It says Walter Benjamin Robertson asked his longtime girlfriend, Della Croninger, to marry him. Croninger must have been quite facaded with Robertson because she did not delay in answering yes, a decision she would soon regret. How soon? How about later that same day? Robertson brutally murdered his fiance. He confessed to the murder on the grounds of insanity. He was extensively interviewed by the county physicians and found to be quite sane and more than able to stand trial for the vicious murder of Della Croger. Rather than revealing his motive, he took his secret to the grave when he hanged himself in his cell at the old jail. If this shady character is still lurking around the cell block, perhaps she'll be the one to unveil his hidden secrets.
0: Hmm? there's There's multiple suicides that happen in that jail and and I think that that's common in a lot of jails.
1: people just choose to take the easy way out rather than just serve their time, especially those that eventually will be let out. excuse me or could be
0: well, yeah, and plus all you have to do is sit there with your thoughts back then I mean that jail does not have like a the only area that it has for, like, any sort of free time activity was down in what they called the chapel area down in the basement. I, that's what they called it the last time we were there. Um, but down in the, the lowest level in the basement, um, that was the chapel. And I think it was also, like, the cafeteria area where the inmates would eat. And... Um, that's it. I mean, they they sat in their cells. What you, all you have to do is sit there, read, write, whatever, and you're you're there with your thoughts. I mean, what if what if you're there with your thoughts and you do feel remorse for what you did, and maybe you feel maybe they genuinely felt like they didn't, you know, they didn't deserve to live, or maybe they knew that they're going to be going to prison for life, and they'd rather die there in that cell than go to prison or maybe they knew maybe it was like some horrible person like a like a like some sort of pedophile and they knew that they were going to go to jail and that they were afraid of what those inmates were going to do. So many reasons why you have nothing to do but sit with your thoughts and linger and let them linger until you get drive yourself to the point of insanity and extreme weakness. I shouldn't say weakness but I did and you end up ending your own life. I mean, if you go into that jail, those cells are small. You're in there with two, oh, yeah. three, four people, and and who, I mean, you know you can't trust the person you're in that cell with, and they know that they can't trust you. It's not a happy situation, and it's not a bright place. There's not a whole lot of light. It's not cheerful. It's dark. It's gloomy. During the winters, it's freezing. They they didn't have a central heating system when the building was first built. They had, like, fireplaces at the end of the the hallway that heated the floor. It was not a comfortable situation at all.
1: And I think I got one, one more uh, story here I want to share from this, this list that Terry sent, and that's the story of George Procogan, entitled Murder in the House of Ill Repute. When a man goes looking for love in all the wrong places, sometimes he ends up dead. In the town of Newark, Ohio, at the turn of the 20th century, brothels were commonplace. On April 21st, 1909, George Procogan came knocking on the door 28 East Street looking for a little entertainment of the feminine persuasion. Procogan was invited into the brothel and joined a conversation for a little under an hour. When he was asked to leave so the girls could get some sleep, he didn't take so kindly to his escort. Matt Hurley was a current boarder who walked Procogan to the door to bid him farewell. Procogan drew his handgun and shot Hurley in the side. Matt Hurley died shortly after. Watch out for
3: the man looking for a little love. Whoa. Sounds like he was a little... I don't know how to describe it.
2: I would say he was looking for love in all the wrong places.
1: <laughs> <Definitely>.
2: <laughs>
1: there you are. Sure. Yeah. But all these stories might, might, might seem like nothing to, to some of you that are listening, but these were all, according oh. to what I'm looking at, they're all deadly and infamous inmates that were housed in the old Licking County Jail at one point or other. Uh, every single, and I, I there are quite a few here I haven't read, and there's really no time for me to do so. Or I would. Maybe uh, we could do a second section
0: on this. Yeah, I you know, I think it's safe to say that Licking County has um, some some uh, very interesting people that live there and definitely mm-hmm. um, I would like to learn more of the history of that town because um, some of the history that I learned is that it was a very big part of the prohibition and there's a lot of history there in that town. So, um, and, and with the great depression and everything, man, I, and with all of these, these people, I mean, of course, you know, when, when a place does these places, they there's, does the history and everything they're going to point out the the scariest people, but the thing is is that those are the types of people that go into these places and it makes it very real
1: and oftentimes when you go and investigate these places many years later, these are the kinds of, of spirits that are are possibly roaming the halls of the old jail so it helps right. to know what these people did what they were incarcerated for so that you know if you encounter their spirit exactly what you're Mm doing
3: we is oh god I guess we wouldn't really know unless we were part of an investigation you know it's I think it's one thing to hear like from you sir but it's another
1: thing to experience it.
0: That's the truth.
1: I would, say, I would say, even me, yeah. I mean, what I've heard, like with the investigations downtown here in downtown Rock Island but at the Dan Viner Furniture Building, you know, I had read a little bit of it from when Mike and Sean were there and watched their videos and whatnot, but it's a whole other feeling when I set foot in the building myself. Yeah. And... It was only it's only the second place that's haunted that I've ever been, but it's the first one where I knew it was haunted before I showed up. The first place I've been to that was haunted I didn't even know it was haunted until I'd been there and left. Shirley, what kind of time do we have what kind of time do we have We
2: one, one, yeah, one minute forty forty seconds. Okay, well
1: I'm just We're going to go ahead and wrap it up for the night here. I want to to thank uh, Terry Long for sending in the documents for Sean and me to go over and 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 gave us a lot of very helpful information. We really, really, really appreciate that. And I'd also like to thank you, Sean, for coming on and and sharing your experiences and your expertise with us regarding the investigations you've done at the Old Booking County Jail. We really appreciate that you've been here with us tonight.
0: I appreciate you guys having me on. I I love talking anything paranormal. So thank you so much. Hey,
3: maybe we can have him back at a later date. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I
3: agree. Because I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed listening to him. I did, Uh, too. I'm
2: sorry I didn't talk too much, and I'm trying to save my voice because my throat's a little sore. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's fun. Yeah, Sean, if you're interested in coming back again sometime, we'd love to have you. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. No problem. I'd, I'd love to. All right. I don't know if
1: Terry's, I don't know if Terry's listening or not, but in the event she's not, would you please let her know that I am very thankful she sent this information over. It has been very, very helpful.
0: Ah. Yes. Terry is incredible. Thank you, Terry. And if anyone has the opportunity to investigate the jail, I highly recommend it. It is one of my favorite, if not my favorite place to go to, to investigate.
2: All right. Well, anyway, time to wrap this up. Um, to, uh, of course tomorrow night is the free-for-all Friday's Mad Libs Tim will not be able to talk after tomorrow but don't worry we're prepared <laughs> anyway please remember to follow us on Facebook follow us on Twitter our handle is bta underscore tip and follow us at our website beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com if you ever miss an episode there are three ways to catch up first there's the Stitcher.com app available on iTunes Google Play and the Amazon Kindle Store second you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com and finally you you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search on the podcast for Beyond the Airways," and you'll find many of our episodes there. So, with that in mind, I'm going to say love, beast, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night. Sleep well, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow for the Thursday free for all.
3: Well, I really enjoyed the show. I did too.
0: And you are welcome back anytime, sir. hmm Well, thank you. And actually, I just noticed that, that Harry was messaging me during the show.
1: Ah. She might, have been,
2: she might be the guest of the
0: chat room, possibly. But the chat oh, room. yeah. Could have been. Never did find out who that was. Um, nope, we never did. Oh, well. She, she um... She said that the ghost adventures were there. That was before her time. They were there with the United ah. Paranormal Project, so she can't validate it. Um, and she said George Button's name was found scratched in on one of the scratched in on one of the walls. She sent me a photo. It was on the third floor oh. cell block.
2: All right, well, guess what? We're going to have to end it soon because we've been cut off before. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah, everybody, and have a nice all rest right. of the week.
2: Yep. Hey, all right. Yeah, we'll see all this, we'll see our usual ending for tomorrow. Night. <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. Okay.